0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the fourth Thursday of the month, which means it's time for Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek. Please welcome him back to the show. How are you doing, Robert? Chef AJ, I am great. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you. You have such a fun show because you really you're you're like you're almost like an investigative journalist. You have such great interviewing skills and you take a deep dive and it's like you really know who you're talking to. But I first want to know about you because you've been I follow you on social media, you've been traveling a lot. I mean, I've seen you in basketball clothing. Wait, you don't play basketball. You're well well, I used to play basketball. I used to want
1: to be in the NBA when I was younger. Of course, I never got even close to that. I never even played on the varsity team in high school, but I love basketball. I'm a huge fan. It's one of my favorite hobbies. You know, we just had winter holidays. I was gifted some stuff from my lovely wife, Karen, to uh, gifted tickets, to go watch some games, my favorite player. I just had a birthday, uh, this month in March. And so I went to another game and I even just saw the Harlem globetrotters who just happened to globetrot their way into my town. And, uh, in one of their four cities in Colorado, they, they happened to be here. Um, I came from the world's largest fitness expo in Columbus, Ohio, and then the world's largest natural products expo in Anaheim, just in time to get back to that Globetrotter game. So
0: here I am back at home. So I don't live in Southern California anymore, but many years I went to that expo. And what I noticed, and tell me if you agree or disagree, is that every year it got junkier and junkier, the products. Well,
1: it may be getting junkier, but it's getting more vegan as well. So uh, that that is something that I'm I'm really excited about the all the different alternative proteins and all the vegan foods and and, and bump it into lovely people like uh, Miyoko Shinner I, I bumped into and, and so many others. So, um, yes, I think it's the natural uh, pun intended. Well, that's I the
0: thing, because it's not I, I, whether it's vegan or not. A lot of the stuff I saw there in my final year was not anywhere near natural. I was going to
1: say it's kind of the natural progression of food innovation. Um, and so I think that's the direction that it that it went in.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. I know a lot a lot of the uh, people that have uh, shows on my channel, like Lissa and Nate, a lot of people went. So it sounds like a lot of fun, if for only reason to connect with other like-minded people. So who have you got for us today? Today, we have Laura
1: Marks. She is the head coach at The Vegan Gym, which I think is probably the world's leading online vegan coaching program and an organization that I've been associated with, uh, to some degree, as a guest speaker at their events for the last couple of years. So I am very excited to have Laura on the show today. So, Laura, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I, I can't wait to dive into some great conversation with you today. Well, thank you
1: so much and thanks for uh, putting up with my basketball enthusiasm to
2: start the show.
1: It's been a very, very exciting week. As you know, that's one of my passions. But I wanna talk about your passion today, Laura. You are uh, very passionate about fitness. You've been a coach for decades. I'm talking like almost 25 years coaching athletes. So can you kind of give us a background in uh, your story, your story of coaching, your story of fitness, and then leading into the vegan journey that you're on now?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have to giggle, Robert, because my fitness journey probably started with basketball (laughs) as a little tyke. Shooting in little buckets, you know, gallon buckets, because I couldn't reach the big hoops. Or I I grew up uh, in on a farm, uh, or farm country, and had two older brothers that really introduced me to being an athlete, and my dad did too. They loved basketball. I always said if they could do it, I wanted to do it better. And uh, they introduced me to weight training when I was about twelve because they were training for sport. I got I just loved it from the get go, and and really enjoyed training and getting involved in sports and. Uh, I... <laughs> I did battle through uh, disordered eating from a young age on uh, through my journey as well, which I'm um, very passionate about uh, talking about that story. Uh, But when it came to training and falling in love, I ended up just learning that I started to fall in love with getting strong for my sport more than my sport. And so I started to dive into Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting very young. So in high school, I started coaching Olympic style weightlifting right out of high school, Uh, Coached some. Volleyball as well, but I dove into Olympic style weightlifting into that realm, sports, performance, and strength and conditioning, uh, and also worked in animal medicine at the same time. So I was very passionate about both worlds. And here I am today, years later, uh, being able to bring both together my love for animals and my love for fitness and for people, as well share my story of healing through disordered eating. It just, amazing how our journeys and our our hardships bring us to the people that we are today. And I've really been able to see that evolve. And now to be at the vegan gym has just been incredible for me. Well, Laura, we're going to have to play some basketball soon. Um, <laughs> yeah. What people may not
1: know is, is that at the current time, uh, you live basically across the street from me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. one, major, one major street, you're about, a, I don't know, a quarter of a mile away. I know, uh, you, you know, you're, you're moving to different locations and doing different things and traveling and all that, but at the moment we got to uh, play some hoops before you, uh, before you go out of town. I would so, love that. <laughs> so tell us about your discovery of the vegan lifestyle, like, like how, like, like the catalyst where you really got into it and embraced it and how did you end up, uh, at the vegan gym where now you're the head coach and they've got, I mean, well over a dozen coaches. How did that come to be?
2: Yeah. So I, I really believe a lot of my struggle with food (laughs) when I was younger. So I was through treatment, through going uh, through on my healing journey, I had discovered that I had been battling with disordered uh, eating and relationship with food since I was about three years old. And I think a lot of it came from sensitivity as well as I didn't want to eat animals. I, I don't believe that I... <laughs> And I grew up, uh, you know, on a, on a farm with, with a uh, family that that's what we, that's just what we did. That was part of our culture. That's how we grew strong is what was told. And it, we had to finish our plates and all of that stuff. But really I just knew like deep down inside, it didn't feel right. I pick at my plate. I struggled with it. I just really, I didn't feel good. I get sick every time I got on the bus after eating, um, you know, having milk and cereal or whatever it was, I just never felt Good, I'd get headaches. Uh, so there was a lot of sensitivities that I've discovered over time. Uh, and so I started going vegetarian in middle school off and on. I'm trying to be my mom and dad were actually very supportive. They just didn't really understand it. Uh, I didn't know how to do it well. Uh, and then through high school, I started to really realize that I was battling with my relationship with food after a health teacher had brought up, uh, disordered eating and what that looks like for an athlete. And so I started to dive into that, uh, realm of, uh, I guess, healing journey, uh, Let's wheel ahead a few more years. I went into treatment in 2004 to seek help. Uh, I was already wanting to be vegan vegetarian. Unfortunately, it wasn't recommended. They thought it was a symptom for me. So that's something I really try to provide answers and, and help professionals in that field uh, when it comes to medical professionals to how to have those conversations with uh, individuals that are struggling with disordered eating that want to be vegan. Uh, I think that moral is very important and that they need to know that it's not always um, related to a symptom. Um, So Uh, Then years later, I ended up with a pretty significant injury. I went back to, unfortunately, eating uh, animal products after treatment, uh, competed in figure competitions, uh, well, one major figure competition, uh, and then went back into strength. Uh, But I had a significant injury in 2010, uh, and they told me I'd never lift weights again. And I started to have nerve pain, body pain, um, struggled with sleep and stress, um, anxiety. Depression from my injury started to research fibromyalgia, um, arthritis, things that have autoimmune symptoms, and everything led to plant-based, plant-based, plant-based. And I just said, "I, I have to go back to this. I have to figure it out. This is the answer." And I dove headfirst into educating myself on being a hundred percent plant-based athlete, uh, and then I found the vegan gym. <laughs> And I actually signed up and rolled, even though I had been a coach for all these years, I signed up and enrolled for coaching. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to be surrounded by like-minded people. I've talked with Leif, signed up. I'm like, I would do whatever it takes to enroll in this program. Changed my life in three months. And I flew out East, had a conversation with both Leif and Anders. I looked at Anders. I said, someday we're going to work together. (laughs) I have no idea what this looks like, but someday we're going to work together. And here I am today, uh, leading coaches, um, leading an amazing community of vegans uh, to have a ripple effect in our world. And it's incredible.
1: Well, that's awesome, Laura. And I appreciate you sharing some of those obstacles you had along the way. Um, what was it that kept you optimistic and moving forward when dealing with disordered eating. I, I think that there's a lot of people who tune into this show who have, uh, who, who do struggle with some disordered eating or with some other um, food addictions and, and things of that nature. Uh, maybe you can talk if you're, if you're open to it, a little bit about that, you know, taking it a step at a time or uh, the process of overcoming that to get to a point where, Now, I mean, you qualified for nationals and uh, powerlifting, I believe it was, and and all this stuff. You came out on the other side, uh, much like Dotsie Bausch, who had um, eating disorders and went on to win an Olympic silver medal um, in track cycling. Uh, So can you talk a little bit about the mindset of just keep on keeping on, or if that's just too much of a cliche mantra, and what what was it really like to uh, overcome that?
2: Yeah, I, my faith walk is a big part of my healing journey was, um, just knowing that there was, there was always something better, <laughs> um, that I always had the spark of hope. Um, I mean, I was in a really, really dark place when I went into treatment. It was, I was slowly dying. I was a coach. I was an athlete, but I was not, um, Walking the walk, I was not doing what I was preaching and what I believed in. And humility was such a huge core value for me. And the fact that I was living two different lives was tearing me apart. It was that was really, I needed to align myself to be the same person, no matter where I was, how I walked, who I was talking to. I needed to be that same person all the time. And the spark of hope, the spark of light of knowing that there was a possibility um, to to heal. There was one woman that um, came to to visit um, a bunch of us that were in the hospital at the time. So I was admitted. I was in the hospital. And... um, She was an athlete and she was a coach and she shared her story of healing. And it was hearing that it was possible, not from the doctors, not from the nurses, not from the others that maybe have not walked it or been through it, but somebody who physically got through it, who was doing what I wanted to do in life and said it was possible. And she was joyful, happy, healthy. And all I could think about was my heart is failing. (laughs) Uh, They're telling me I can't exercise right now. And all I want to do is pick up a barbell. Am I ever going to get through this? I'm afraid of food. It just felt so dark and so lonely. And just hearing that spark of light. And I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. And then I, I became this mission of other people need to hear my story. For some reason, like I turned it into an opportunity. I turned it into a gift this hardship, I'm going to make into something great. I chose to turn, I made the choice to go through it and to, to take action for my life, to deal with the consequences of my choices, uh, as well as ask for help I le- leaned into it, leaned into the tools, leaned into the help. Um, and it was years of a journey. And I'm, there's still little things that I find myself healing from but I just knew that I wanted to turn this into something great and help other people through it.
1: You know, Laura, that reminds me of a, a popular quote that's been embraced by the vegan gym. Uh, you probably know what I'm going to say. It's choose your hard. Um, It sounded like as you were describing some of that, you had to choose, you know, you had to make some hard decisions and choose your heart, you mm-hmm. know, um, being, being sick is hard. And, getting well is hard, you know, choose your heart. Right. So what does, when you hear that, when you hear choose your heart uh, as it relates to your own story, your own experience, uh, what does that mean to you?
2: Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And that is exactly what I had to do is choose my heart. I can either stay in this heart or I can go after something that will bring me joy and happiness, even through the hardness. So I would rather experience the choose the hard and the difficulty of one rep at a time. Is the other thing I like to think about is that I know the outcome of doing a repetition over repetition, even though I don't see the result instantly. I know this discomfort in the moment of of repping out a dumbbell or throwing some a barbell around. The result in a month, in three months, four months. Same with showing up for myself, choosing my heart every single day is going to result in the direction I wanna go into my life versus staying where I feel stuck and alone and not healthy. I, I had this opportunity to go against the stream <laughs> and gain strength and endurance and wisdom on my journey. And I think of it like a treasure map. I'm I'm going, it's an adventure. It's a quest to go after something that matters to me and my light and my life. And there's going to be obstacles and we're going to have to maneuver. I don't know any treasure hunt that would be fun if there wasn't any obstacles and maneuvering and stumbling and getting muddy and going after this treasure. There's going to be things you run into. And now it's seeking the opportunities and adjusting and figuring it out and knowing that these hard moments are just making me stronger and stronger. And when you've gone through them, you realize there's light at the end of the tunnel and it feels dark now. But if I keep moving through, great things are going to happen. The thing is, I just can't stop moving, even if it feels super slow. (laughs) I just have to keep going. (laughs)
1: Right. And that, in a way, uh, makes you a superhero. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm wearing the vegan superhero shirt. This is from, I should have
2: have twinned with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've got a bunch of these. I I wear them all the time. Uh, I'm going to wear this to a bookstore later. So, uh, I'm wearing the vegan superhero shirt. You, the vegan gym has the vegan superhero Academy, uh, which we'll have you talk about in a moment, but I just want to hear your reaction when you hear that expression, um, vegan superhero. Uh, I defined it The day after you moved here, you you came to the animal sanctuary, Love and Arms, where I spoke. And I I remember I was wearing this shirt and I opened up with what I thought being a vegan superhero meant to me. Uh, But I'd like to hear what it means to you because you are a vegan superhero and you represent the Vegan Superhero Academy as their head trainer. Uh, What do those words mean to you?
2: I really think it's about being able to walk through life and have an impact and a ripple effect without harming anything or anyone, <laughs> including yourself. Uh, to the it's it's about making a difference. It's about wanting to change our world for the better, out of a place of love. Uh, being a superhero means the moment that you make that decision. <laughs> It's, it's, you don't have to, I I hear people say, I don't look like a vegan superhero. Well, tell me I've been told my whole life. I don't look like a weightlifter. So tell me what a, a superhero is supposed to look like. I think it's the people that are, have all different walks of life, but they're choosing to do this walk without harming animals without harming the best of our ability our planet to to wanting to understand and grow and also share the impact to to educate and to teach in a very unoffendable way to those around us and that people are drawn to you as well as you're drawn to them to want to help well speaking
1: of superheroes who were some of your role models maybe growing up and who are some of your role models? Today, whether within the vegan industry or completely outside of it, uh, <laughs> yeah. what, who, and what inspire you today?
2: Oh wow, I have so many mentors. I would say uh, the one that that comes to mind that has been mentoring me from little on, even to after her passing, would be my grandma. Uh, and and when I think of a mentor or a role model. I mean, there's just people who are gifted with nuggets of information and light and wisdom. And I think about looking at what are my core values and my morals and who and and who in my life are doing those things or have done those things and watching them and learning from them and surrounding myself with what they do to be those people. So why did was she so important to me and, and a mentor in my life? Was I loved how time was so valuable to her in a way of you felt like you were the most important person and being every time she sat with you spoke with you um, was in the garden with you whatever it was it was like you were the only person that existed in that moment she just gave her full attention to you and I thought, what a gift! If it, time is such a precious gift, and for somebody to gift that to us is amazing. And I, that was just something that really spoke to me was her ability to be unoffendable to speak and sit with anybody and to give her time in such a beautiful way. Uh, I I wanted to embrace that into my life and allow that to grow into me today and 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 continue to grow in that weightlifting, (laughs) uh, you know, being able to see women uh, grow in the sport. I, I felt very, uh, different (laughs) growing up being in a, I would say a very male dominant sport at the time. Uh, Also in a career where I was normally the only woman. I was normally the only, I have only had a few athletes around me at the time when I started, I trained with the football team. I trained with the wrestling team um, and they embraced me. They definitely embraced me, but it was my mentors were those that accepted me in a space that was different that, that they just welcomed me, my coach who just kept um, introducing me to people in the industry. Um, Yeah. I just, I really think, you know, there was people who had voices for me and those are multiple coaches in my life. Uh, But yeah, I would say out of all people that mentored me the most, it was my grandma though.
1: (laughs) You know, Laura, I think that was really beautiful about how she made you feel like you're the most important person in the room or most important thing in the world at that moment. And probably was the type of person that made other people feel that way too. And it reminded me of a quote. I actually wrote it down, but I don't know if I have it exactly right, but the quote, I'm you're, you might be familiar with it. It's something along the lines of people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel mm. uh, how, like how, how they made you feel. And so that reminded me of, of, of your, your grandma. Not, not that we, we forget you know great quotes and all that kind of stuff, but we remember how others made us feel, whether we felt welcome, whether we felt safe, whether we felt appreciated, respected, loved, those types of things. We, we so, sometimes forget um, conversations or words or whatever, but it's the feeling, the experience that we remember. And yeah. I think that's true for a lot of people, including, including those we have lost, loved ones we've lost, um, humans and non-humans alike, it's, it's often how they made us feel that uh, that we miss um, and that we uh, cherished about them and appreciated so much about them. So uh, I appreciate uh, you sharing that about about your grandmother and yeah. uh, I'm glad you hold on to those um, to those memories. Um, I want to uh, talk about coaching mm-hmm. for a moment. Number one, why? be a coach.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what why, why do you want to coach people? I honestly can't even imagine not coaching. <laughs> I um I love mentoring and it's a passion. I believe weightlifting helped save my life. It gave me something to fight for. It gave me a reason to fuel my body, to understand food to Um, take care of my body to connect with my body to find love and respect for who I am and that my identity was no longer injury taught me my identity is not weightlifting my identity is all the things that I do to make me a weightlifter Um, our identity isn't what we do it's it's the 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 type of person we are and human we're becoming to be those things Uh, so we we don't lose our identity if we get injured we don't lose our identity if we lose our job or seek a different career mentorship and in teaching what I've learned has become my passion to help others walk through and to to be able to get through obstacles and things that maybe I've gone through my heart you know this Robert is I love youth I I coached youth athletes for 20 years um uh, at teenagers, I love teenagers, absolutely love teenagers. Uh, and they taught me so much. Animals and teenagers taught me more than anything. Maybe those are my mentors, but animals and, te- and teenagers have taught me so much about to, how to be the coach I am today, to be present, to to be with people, not speak over them, but speak with them and to be a part of their lives and to build relationships and to have an impact And to show belief and to show people how to find their true self, their authentic self, and to teach the truth um, based off of the noise that's going on in the world. But to be able to share the truth, I I think is just, yeah, I I love it. My heart just (laughs) thinks I I can't, to be a coach, I just can't imagine not being a mentor in multiple places of life.
1: Well, let's stick on coaching for a moment. Uh, you know, I, I come from background of being a five-sport athlete. I had coaches throughout my entire life. I am currently a new York, new York Times bestselling author, and I had a writing coach when I was in high school, right? There's probably a connection there, I'm guessing. I've had some mentors, coaches along the way. I just finished a new book. I had a coach working with me the entire time, a guy with a PhD in philosophy. Uh, coaching is pr- a pretty big deal right? We have coaches in business. We have, I mean, LeBron James has a coach, right? The the, the greatest basketball player in the world. You know, Michael Jordan had a coach. Bo Jackson had coaches. Uh, you know, Jackie joyner Kersey had coaches. Uh, you name it, whoever you can mention, the, the the greatest male, female athletes, entrepreneurs, leaders of our time, all had coaches and mentors. But I come across sometimes, and I've been, one of the, I've been one of those people too, where I say, you know what, I don't need, I don't know, I don't need a coach. You know, I've been vegan bodybuilder for all these years and everything. I don't, I don't need a coach, or I can figure this out on my own. And you know, Laura, I've been wrong a lot of times uh, about those things, despite my confidence, despite my background, despite my history. Why do you think, I guess maybe a two-part question, why do you think some people are maybe hesitant to have a coach in some area of life, whatever it is, even a therapist, right? You know, I've been reluctant to do that because of pride and ego and masculinity and all this silly, silly stuff. Why are we hesitant? And and how much could someone benefit from having the right coach that fits them?
2: I think the conversation I've had often with people is asking for help has been maybe taught that that's a weakness (laughs) as like that, asking for help makes us weak. And I, I would have to disagree. Asking for help makes you stronger and smarter. By being able to have the ability to create an army that comes alongside of you to give you the tools and the knowledge to get to where you want to go faster is smart. You are still in control of which tools you decide to use. You're still in charge of your life. You're still in charge of taking action. You still are in charge of your life. You're just smart by asking other people to get you there faster, to give you the wisdom, to give you the knowledge, to hold you accountable, to, to push you and pull you back when you need it. Um, elite athletes have multiple coaches and mentors in their corner. You know, we talk about Michael Jordan and some of the greats. They didn't have one coach. They had a team. They had an army around them. And I think of that. I have multiple coaches in my life. I will always have a coach in my life, even whether it's in powerlifting, Olympic lifting, whatever endeavors I'm pursuing, uh, um, financial support, anything I want to learn about business, writing, like what you're saying, I'm asking, I'm surrounding myself with those who are better than me. And those coaches might change over time. You know, as you progress, you might need different things, but there's always a space to learn and gain wisdom. And I am a sponge. And I try to get people excited about wanting to be a sponge, wanting to understand that wisdom is going to help you get success and having somebody to walk you through there and show you what you're missing. Or I've been squatting for 20 plus years (laughs) longer than that now it just feels like as for many many years and I still don't have it perfected there's always little things and I'm a sponge I want my coach to be like if they said Laura that looks great I'm like really (laughs) like there's got to be something (laughs) there's got to be something to make it even better uh I'm I'm hungry to learn I'm hungry to be coached and and to better my experience in my life and why not get there to that goal or that dream or whatever it is you're looking for faster by having a team of people with you.
1: You know, I was just thinking while you were answering that question I wrote down about eight things here just during that time. I wonder, Laura, because you mentioned something like financial advisor, I'm wondering if it's the word coach itself that we sometimes think about that is, is only related to athletics. What about things like financial advisor, instructor, teacher professor advisor mentor leader role model those are all those are We're all coaches, coaches in our life <laughs> we have someone who helps us learn how to paint or learn how to do auto mechanics or learn how to balance our our books as a financial advisor or someone who teaches us a class or someone Uh, who's an instructor for, you know, uh, whatever, whatever it is, um, or or our, our teacher professor in school, like they are, they are basically coaches. They are showing us through their experience or their lessons learned through the things that they've already, the paths they've already carved out, you know, through their own life experiences, um. I
2: love that, Robert. I absolutely love that. And it takes you back to, is there a fear associated with coach? And we've, we've both been in multi-sport, multi-sport athlete. I've also watched athletes in multiple sports that did not have a good experience or had fear around Uh, disappointing their team or disappointing their coach, or maybe not having the right words spoken over them in gym or in fitness settings and situations. So I'd have to ask, what is your relationship like with exercise? What is your relationship like with your fitness story and journey journey? because it's not about you have to, it's a, you get to, it's about, it's not about how you look. It's a feeling. It's about healing your mind, connecting with your body. It's not a have to. And I think that relationship can be tarnished and there can be a fear of maybe those instructors or teachers or coaches in their life that maybe there, that there's some healing that needs to take place of the truth.
1: You know, it's also interesting, Laura, and I'm just thinking of this like literally right now, writing things down. It's also not that coach is a bad word, but I think it it often is related to sports, not always just in life, but also words like counselor right we which can be incredibly effective but we think of it as oh i need help i'm or i'm i've misbehaved i gotta go see the counselor now or my my grades aren't very good or i'm not very smart or i'm struggling to fit in in school i need to go see the counselor um or or therapist that i i referenced earlier you know i deal with some anxiety issues i've i've talked to chef aj a lot about that over the years i've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder way back in i don't know 2017, but it was impacting me before that. And many people have you know, told me I should go see a therapist. And I put up like a wall like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Robert Cheek. I'm capable of all these things. Right. I went from skinny farm kid to champion vegan bodybuilder. I've been on a speaking tour. Like I'm, I used to be comfortable on stage. Why am I now all of a sudden uncomfortable? I've already been there, done that. Like I, I put up a kind of a wall because of that word, even though guess what? I was a sports massage therapist. Professionally, like using that same word, therapist. I was a sports massage therapist. There's all kinds of physical therapists and all these other things. I just thought of it within one context, just like some people might think of coach within one particular context when there's so much more. But basically, it's about it's about leading by example, being there to answer questions, using your guidance and experience and knowledge to help people through challenging times or th- or certainly go through things that you've been through. So I'm wondering if even just wording is a big part of it, because I wouldn't think of like a financial advisor as, as a coach, but they are. <laughs> so, so it's just an interesting um, discovery I'm having during this conversation about how language can help us change the way we feel about uh, a circumstance or a situation. Well,
2: words have so much power. And I think that's something I, I uh, help guide coaches and, and uh, you know, have conversations and mentor over is how we use our words and how we really ask the right questions to find out, what those words mean to people and why there's, um, a disconnection when we say certain words, just like coach, why does that give pushback? Why does therapy give a pushback? What is that concern or fear or limitation, uh, when it comes to wanting to heal the mind? Uh, what's been, you know, what's the, the, let's say the, the (laughs) non-truth, Um, like our minds are fighting for us just like our bodies fight for us. And, uh, we know as athletes, uh, those that really can connect with their mind and connect the mind body and, uh, what that can do for a human in all walks of life, um, to be able to strengthen what's between the ears and to, to do a lot of healing in that part. Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk about coaching philosophies then. Obviously, uh, I'm a big fan of coaching. In fact, uh, it, it, believe it or not, it's one of my nicknames as Coach with my my late friend who uh, passed away right before I, I met you. Uh, one of my all time best friends I've ever had in my life who passed away from COVID right before I, I met you. And um, and in fact, in a weird way, it was it was that um, experience that that kind of brought us together when I was still suffering through the the trauma of losing a best friend and took your yoga class and and felt connected to you to the point that I wanted to reconnect long after the retreat that I that I met you at. And now of course we're we're neighbors and we, you know, you come over to the house and hang out and all that stuff. And um I, I'd like to I'd like to hear about some of your core coaching philosophies. You may have touched on some, but if you could kind of you know, bullet point or some of the things that are, are core tenets of your beliefs. Uh, I'd love to hear what some of those are.
2: Mm. <laughs> I think the the top, there's just... Words or quotes that you'll hear me say often. Um, that if if you have a body, you're an athlete. We were more born to move. You are an athlete, uh, and I I think that shocks people when I call them an athlete if they never played a sport before. It's kind of like coach. Um, we were born to move. We were athletic. We are. You are all athletes, and you all deserve that name of being an athlete. And uh, the other thing is is seeking your true self and your authentic self. That your journey, your walk is yours and it's unique to you. And I'm, and, and mentors and coaches and teachers are meant to come alongside of you and help you find the tools to help you go after your dreams. It's not their dreams. It's yours. And being a coach is about being there side by side, leaning in, um, pushing, pulling, helping, guiding, giving words, but helping them figure out what's their truth. We can't decide for them. But we can help them discover it and discover their true authentic self and help feed the flame to grow in that in their light so that they can go after what really matters to them individually, that it's their purpose, their passion. And we're here to help guide them and strengthen them in that journey and give them that space to be themselves and and use the I love saying the analogy of using the gym. It's uncomfortable, (laughs) like lifting weights is hard, but life is hard. And I loved having my, I I think of my youth athletes coming in, um, like my sixth graders up to that freshman year, walking into the gym first time and their seniors all over the place, juniors, and their heads would be down. But within six months, their heads were tall and it was like they owned the place. And I just, I loved making a safe space that everybody belonged, but they had to respect themselves and they had to respect each other and they had to respect the equipment that made them stronger and that it was repetition at a time. It was gravity always wins. <laughs> the weights are going to win. It's going to hurt sometimes. You're going to get in uncomfortable positions. Setting up for a snatch and a clean and jerk are probably one of the most <laughs> uncomfortable positions you can be in. And you know, being able to say, I know this, this hurts right now. And I know that deep down inside you're probably swearing at me, but don't. Uh you can swear on the inside. You might be even screaming, mommy, right now. This is uncomfortable but you're going to be okay. And that this discomfort is okay. And that you're, you're going to get stronger through this mm-hmm. and I'm going to help you. And that this is, this is life. When I retired from coaching at the high school to, to come full-time with the vegan gym. Um, so I was at a high school at the time coaching, uh, mainly Olympic weightlifting in their strength and conditioning program and COVID hit. It was after our last national meet out in California. We come back. We had our banquet. COVID hit. And my seniors, I had 15 seniors at the time that I had been coaching anywhere from four to seven years. (laughs) And they've been walking this walk with me for a while. And they were really bummed and disappointed that they weren't going to be able to walk. And I gathered them the best I could and said, this is what you've been training for. This is what you've been training for is this circumstance in life. It wasn't the podium train going towards the podium and fighting for life and learning life and figuring things out and getting uncomfortable and showing up for yourself. This is what we train for. And they all like, it just, it blows my mind that they still are reaching out. They're checking in on each other. They're like a family. They're doing amazing things. They kept going and showing up for, they're like, why should I keep training? I go, because somebody didn't is not training that you're gonna be competing against in two years when you can train again. When you can show up for a competition two years from now, are you gonna be ready? Can you show up day in and day out every single day to have one or two competitions in a year? Well, now we're training for two, three years with the unknown ahead of us, prepared for that day you get to compete again. Let's do it, that's my basketball players, that was my volleyball players. It's two years. Yeah, college looks different, but it doesn't mean you're not going to be able to play again and you're going to be ready. And I just, it's that mindset of the gym teaches us life. It's a catalyst of, of learning life, healing through life, understanding discomfort and pain, understanding failing forward, understanding, embracing discomfort. There's always going to be pain unknown and hard work. And when you embrace it, you can find joy and happiness in that. If you run from it, that's when we're going to struggle. It's when we're going to struggle. And so food is fuel. It's a big thing I say. Food is fuel to be able to help you live the life and be that authentic person and go after your dreams. We Food is a gift. Food is vital. Our bodies need it. It is a gift to our bodies. We can do it without harming others. <laughs> And we we need to fuel our body to do great things and take care of it by nourishing our bodies to do um, our our whatever it is our careers our athletic endeavors, um, but we also need to train our minds our spirits um, and yeah so that is a lot of what I teach Robert.
1: <laughs> well, I got a whole lot out of that, Laura. In fact, as per usual, I took some notes. Uh, something that came to mind as you were talking, especially at the end there about the athletes and, you know, two years from now and, and you know, putting yourself in a position to be successful and all of that. I heard this quote from uh, Coach Monty Williams, Coach, ironically, of, of the uh, Phoenix Suns when they were in the NBA Finals. Um, he said, uh, it may not be exactly verbatim, but I think it's pretty close. He said something along the lines of, he said this to his team in the locker room everything you want is on the other side of hard work, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just a reminder of just, like you said, you said, life is hard. The gym is hard. Um, overcoming injuries is hard. Staying motivated is hard. So many things are hard. Like we recognize that, that, that this journey is not easy. And that everything that you want, everything you're working for, everything that you dream about is on the other side of hard work. And I, and I think that's, uh, you, you talked about that uh, in, in your response, which made me think of Coach Monty Williams. Also, I never thought of this, but you, you talked about how if you've got a body or an athlete, right? You said something along those lines. Just four days ago, I was in Anaheim. And there was a woman who uh, uh, I, I've known, you know, casually. Uh, I meet her at, these, at this uh, health expo, you know, once a year um and she she pulled me aside and said robert you know she does a little bit of weightlifting <clears throat> she said robert i don't you won't remember this but last year there were a group of you know me and some of my colleagues you know who are plant based athletes vegan athletes and she's like robert you you included me in that in that group and described me as an athlete and that meant so much to me because i was just getting into weightlifting and now she's like full on super into it and i don't even remember circumstance i don't even remember saying it but it meant something to her to the point that before i left the expo as i went by her booth and said bye she said hey i want you to know something just the fact that you referred to me as an athlete gave me so much so much support and and inspiration for me to keep going i never thought about that before so i want to thank you um, for saying that and then lastly uh on just on that one response you gave uh, you mentioned the word mindset. And so I want to talk about that for a moment. <clears throat> How important is mindset in this whole thing? We're going to talk about food in a moment. We're going to talk about the diet and the the exercise. That's what everyone thinks being an athlete is, right? It's, oh, it's diet and exercise, right? What about up here? What can you say to that, Laura?
2: It's all mindset. <laughs> Uh mindset is the most important thing. And I think we are probably about 20 years behind in this. I started practicing visualization about 20 years ago. I'm, like Again, I had a wonderful mentor. Scott Solly uh, was one of my coaches and mentors that taught visualization prior to competition and dove into the mindset of belief uh, that you know you already have it, to approach something that could crush you. <laughs> And to be able to step up to that bar and have the mindset of being able to know you have it is so important. There's a balance between um humility and ego. Uh, you have to know that you're you're training and you have to stay healthy and, and know that your humility as you train, but you also have to show up with some ego <laughs> when you're when you're getting ready to lift heavy things. And so there's this mindset of things are possible and you're preparing, you're visualizing, you know you have it, you know you're capable. I always told my lifters, those that are the strongest mentally, let's say the same lifter or the same ability steps up to the barbell. Uh, weight class, age, uh, they can lift the same amount of weight. The one who shows up with the stronger mindset is the one that's going to win. Um, even sometimes the one who is stronger that doesn't have a good mindset is going to lose. Those that know and are strong mentally are incapable of what I would say the elite athletes can do in life and people elite people can do is they can control their environment, Um, they can be calm in the storm, Uh, they can breathe through things they can connect with their body and their breath and their truth, even when it's noisy. Uh, they can just, they they can relax the situation. And and you hear Michael Jordan um, talk about, I don't worry about the next shot, the rebound. I just worry about what I have to do and I do it. And I worry about what's next when it happens. He's just confident that that shot's going to go in. He doesn't think about it if it doesn't go in. He just knows it's going to go in. And I think that mindset of, I know now going through difficult things and hardships and learning failure and embracing failure and going through the dark times that I I don't fear the unknown because I believe in myself and I believe in what I'm capable of. And I know that I'll figure it out and I won't give up. I
1: want to touch on two words that you said, Laura, you talked about, and actually I had this written down like 45 minutes ago. Um, But you just brought it up now. uh, So it seems apropos to discuss it. You talked about humility and ego. And I want to talk about your relationship with fitness is relatively private. Uh, You and I've had that conversation that, you know, so many of us, myself included, are constantly just posting, flexing photos and all this stuff on social media every day. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And I'm as guilty as anybody out there. But you were like on the road to qualify at the national level of powerlifting. And you had, you told me you had like, it was like relationship between you and the barbell, right? Um, Can you talk about that? Because it's so, it's different. It's also refreshing. It's, there's lots of ways to kind of describe this, almost like deliberately going under the radar to have your own private relationship with your athletic achievements, even if they are worthy of being discussed and promoted on big platforms, you keep it a little bit between you and the barbell. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah. Um, I don't train for acceptance. I've already accepted who I am and in, in, in my walk in life. I don't train or, or need approval to do what I love. I, I, I believe it's a gratitude I share with the bar. It's a deep connection with my inner spirit and my soul to have my hands on the barbell. And it's where some say they find Zen in the swimming pool or on a run or on a bike, or I get that same experience every time I pick up a barbell uh, for most of the time. I mean, it's not like it's always easy for me, but there's a there is a connection for me that when I do hard th- Things. And I do have, it's, I'm not going to share all of it because, again, it is a very intimate journey for me. But I have probably the hardest athletic endeavor journey coming up in the next two years for myself that I've decided to go forward with and having a team of coaches around me to help me get there. But it's so that I can connect with my deep self. You know, I'm wanting to write a book. And so I know that when I dive into, moving in my body and and meditate in this way, it brings out this creative side in me to share my past and my story. Those things start to come out and it gives me a presence to heal. For me, it's a connection to God. It is for me to connect for my walk in life, my faith walk. It's very much helping me become this warrior within myself to be able to share that light in the world in a very I hope to be a humble way. I want to be able to inspire people and I want to be able to share the things that I've been able to do and share that it's possible to be a strong vegan woman in my forties going after these things, lifting heavier than I've ever done. I want people to know this is possible, but I also want to make sure that this thing that means so much to me has a, has a deep connection that is between me and the bar, um, That is is just super important to me because it helps me stay in the right mindset and do it for the right reasons. Um, And that helps keep my mind healthy.
1: Yeah. Well, Laura, I know you go uh, a bit under the radar sometimes deliberately, but you're going to be at the world's largest vegan festival, the Los Angeles Vegan Street Fair, which is coming up in a few days, March 26th, with The Vegan Gym, uh, the company you work for and that you're the head trainer of. Uh, you guys are going to be a sponsor and you're doing all kinds of things, some fundraising for an animal sanctuary, like pull-ups for dollars, which I better start practicing because uh, <laughs> the more weight I put on, the fewer, uh, pull-ups uh, I can do. So, um, but yeah, so you're going to be out there at the world's, uh, what they call the world's largest vegan festival festival. I've been there many times in North Hollywood. They block off many, many, many streets, um, in, in that area of Southern California for this major event. Uh, so people will get a chance to uh, to meet you out there and meet Leif and Anders and others from the Vegan Gym, where we'll be visiting uh, Animal Sanctuary and, and raising money for a Farm Sanctuary and all that stuff. Uh, so I know that's going to be exciting. And of course, I'll be there as well. I'll be there hanging out with you guys. Uh, so I know people are, are going to get a chance to meet you, but for uh, many of those who won't get that opportunity, can you kind of run us through a little bit of what your day in the life is like these days? I know obviously everybody eats differently, right? And it's 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 specific to the, the individual, their sport, their goals, their, as you said, even um, uh, sensitivities and allergies and all these types of things. But that's something that people are always curious about here on this show, on Chef AJ's channel, is, is what kind of a day in the life looks like as far as your eating, your training, and even maybe your your work-life balance as you factor all of that in.
2: Yeah, I I love my life's work. And I think what what we have to remember is it's about moving forward and about putting something in the bucket all the time towards our goals so i have my priorities in life i those are definitely scheduled in training and my <laughs> My faith walk is huge for me to be the person I am today and to make sure I can show up as the coach that I am and and work hard. I love to work. (laughs) I have to be mindful of that, that I I can work all day long if I don't schedule in my training. And I actually have lunch scheduled in and I have to remind myself to eat sometimes. And I just very much am passionate about my life's work. And uh, same, but train. So what I tend to do, depending on what I'm training for is I block off training time. Uh, and I use Google calendar, like no <laughs> yeah, task has got everything laid out for me. I can move it around, uh, but I don't want to miss my training. I don't want to miss taking care of myself. So uh, I put my priorities on my calendar first and I, I work really hard around those things. So I train uh, at least a four-day split when it comes to strength. Uh, again, I'm I'm going after some pretty significant goals in, over the next couple of years. So that training will uh, definitely increase. And then the need for fueling my body and recovery will increase as well. So I do um, mindset work, spiritual work, uh, uh, education. I love to learn. So th- that's all important. But I multitask sometimes. I'm listening to it as I'm doing other things. Uh, but as far as nutrition, I like simple. I, it's, I love when people can cook for me. I know your wife Karen is absolutely an amazing. And I love it when she cooks for me. It's absolutely amazing. But I love I love uh, great food. I love when when people want to share a food experience with me. But at home, I'm very simple. I could live off of oatmeal all day long. <laughs> um, so I do uh need for the type of training I'm doing, a high, I, I'm a believer in a high protein for being able to continue to build muscle and strength uh, and maintain what I'm trying to do. I lift very heavy <laughs> things <laughs> for the size of my body. So I do need to be able to maintain that ability to recover. Um, I love to juice. I could drink all my meals if I had the opportunity to because it's simple. I do a lot of juicing. Um, I believe in I love celery juice um, carrot juice, beet juice, all of those things to help aid in my recovery, uh, and to be able to get some micronutrients into my body and to cleanse my body and to, yeah. So I love all the, the greens. I, I believe in greens. I think they're extremely important for our well uh, for the more living thing, living plants we can uh, take in and sun and, and hydrate and, Uh, I think it's just all very important. So I try to get as much of that in as I possibly can. Um, But yeah, I, I believe in variety. Um, I don't, I believe food is fuel. I'm not one that has to be perfect. Um, I don't believe there's uh, when it comes in the vegan realm, there's good foods and better foods. And those that are micronutrient based are the the best that we can do. So we want to make sure the majority of our diet has lots of micronutrients in it. Um, But I'm not perfect. I love chocolate. (laughs) I love vegan donuts. Uh, I wouldn't say it's not about being perfect. It's about enjoying life and enjoying an experience and being able to make sure that it fits with your goals and what you're going after and to have life experiences around food. And yeah. So I, the life of me is really, I, I love to train hard, train smart, work hard, work smart, recover hard, um, recover smart. And I think it, it every person is different of how much time they need to invest in each one, depending on their priorities.
1: And I would add to that Laura, that um, asking for help is also smart. Mm-hmm. It's something that I learned from you today that I wrote down that it's a strength, not a weakness to ask for help. And something that I, need to put into practice uh, even more often. So I wanna thank you for that reminder. Uh, as we wrap up today, Laura, uh, the vegan gym has the goal of helping 1 million vegans get into the best shape of their lives, which uh, can help advance the vegan movement by through leading by example and showing that you can be a strong, powerful uh, person on a plant-based diet and, that, and with great longevity and health and uh, athletic abilities and all that kind of stuff. So, what does uh, what does that mean to you in that quest? I mean, you're already thousands of people into this uh, quest to reach a million. Uh, and now I know the Vegan Gym is touring all over the country. I got a little inside scoop on that. Not just yeah. Los Angeles, but all over the country. But in what other ways uh, are you able to reach large numbers of people through the Vegan Gym? And how can people find out about being coached by the Vegan Gym?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um- I think of the ripple effect, and we talk about this as a team and to our community, is it's like going to school. It's not meant to stay right in school. You're coming to learn. You're coming into the program to grow, to be around like-minded people, to understand how to communicate, how to take care of yourself so you can uh, have the ripple effect. It's not meant to stay in this little community. It's meant to spread. It's meant for you to go out and to learn how to lead and how to share your story and uh, impact the people in your lives. And that's how we're going to reach millions of people is that we're, we're creating these lights all over the World, really, we're giving people wisdom, education, and confidence. To walk tall in what they believe in and to be able to share their mission and their passion uh, throughout life and they're just getting fueled and filled and gaining wisdom coming into our community uh, to learn more about us at gym.com you can click on coaching and that will bring you into seeing all of our coaches what's available there uh, but that's and you can find myself on Instagram at LMgetfit is where I am quiet like you said but uh, if you message me I will reach out I'd love to have a conversation. Uh, same with any medical professionals that would love my insight on my healing journey. Um, I would love to share that as well. Uh, but yeah, I. The vegan gym.com. You'll see, uh, hopefully we'll be sharing up some of our upcoming events here soon as well. But the LA Street Fair is going to be, or uh, right, like that is going to be mind-blowing. I'm so excited to be there with you. I hope in a couple of days here you guys can come out and, and meet us and and ask these questions. I'm a big hugger. So you know this, <laughs> Robert, I am a hugger. Love to be able to to meet people in person and, and share our story. And, and uh, yeah, Ask answer questions. Yeah. Well,
1: Laura Marks, I uh, appreciate your time today. And thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing a lot of wisdom and also uh, inspiring me. And as, as you always do, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, um, to open up about some of your uh, recovery process. Uh, through some disordered eating and through some of your some of your overcoming some of your injuries where you know, you said you you were told you may not even be able to exercise again. and here you are qualifying for nationals after overcoming some significant injuries. and for uh, for that belief, um, that that faith walk and 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 believing that there are, are better days ahead that kept you going um, to the point now that you are the head coach at the largest, Vegan online training company in the world, which is which is a big deal. There's a lot of vegan training companies out there, and and they're all doing great things. And the vegan gym is poised to take it to the next level. And this uh, L.A. Vegan Street Fair with forty or fifty thousand people there in a few days is going to be, you know, an example of of what's to come. So, uh, so Laura, thank you so much for joining Vegan Conversations with Robert Sheet. We're going to welcome Chef AJ back in
0: here to see if she has any uh, yeah. any cl- closing remarks. Well, that was great. It was so nice getting to know you, Lauren. What I like best about you is of all the people at the Vegan Gym, your name is the easiest to pronounce. <laughs>
2: It's so true.
0: Because when I had the boys on, I called him Leif Erickson. And I mean, I was, because, you know, there's a famous explorer and I I totally mispronounce his name. So it's so great to hear your story. And Robert, what I really loved about what you uh, pointed out is that even successful people use coaches. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I didn't even get to it, but it's uh, because it's
1: on all my old sticky notes here. But uh, the, the most that I ever achieved in the greatest athletic achievements or anything else were, were all when I had mentors when all when I had coaching when strong mindset even things like a ghostwriter uh, a co-author all of these things these are coaches these are you know a publisher a copy editor uh, you know an editor like so I I get it I get it even the most successful people or even people who are already accomplished or or, or th- think you know a lot about something, you can still benefit from additional coaching.
2: Yeah.
0: And I find the same thing in weight loss. Thank you guys. It was such a wonderful interview.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure.
0: It was wonderful. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner with Dr. Gustavo Tolosa. See, I, I, I botch everybody's name. What can I never botch Robert Cheek's name though. So that's good. <laughs> Take care.
1: <laughs>
0: Bye-bye.